97.5 FM, KNMO AM 1240, KNEM, K260 DP, 99.9 FM, Nevada, Missouri. It's time for Tiger Talk on Double K Country. It's our weekly discussion of Nevada Tiger Athletics. Tiger Talk is brought to you by Buzz's Barbecue, Nevada Auto Mall, Emory's Truck Stop, Ferry Funeral Home, 54 Feet and Seed, Sutherland's Home Base, First National Bank, Elderly Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, 54 Veterinary Clinic, Compass Health Network, Sharky's Pub and Grub, Nevada Family Dentistry, Lord's Appliances, The Plumbing Shop, MyNevadaMode.com, and Smith Insurance Agency. Let's now join the voice of Nevada Tigers, Mike Harbett, for Tiger Talk. And welcome, everybody. Welcome to Tiger Talk tonight here on AM 1240 KODM and 99.9 FM, along with KODM, I am Mike Harbour, the voice of the Nevada Tigers. Appreciate you joining us tonight. And here in just a moment, we'll be talking football with Nevada Tiger football coach Wes Beecher. Thanks for joining us late tonight again. We have the Nevada Lady Tigers softball broadcast that went a little bit past the top of the hour. The Nevada Lady Tigers dropping that decision to a tough McDonald County team, 4-3, but a good Big A conference battle. But Nevada comes up a run short this afternoon. But thanks for hanging around. And joining us for Tiger Talk, Tiger Head Coach Wes Beecher will be my only guest tonight. We were scheduled to have, or planning to have, Nevada Lady Tiger Head Golf Coach Brian Leonard. Unfortunately, his uh, voice is not up to snuff because of some allergies, so we've had to postpone that a week. We'll have him on next week's program talking about the Lady Tiger Golf Team. But we're going to talk football for about the next 45 minutes. Up to about the top of the hour, we'll come back get it started at his first time out on Tiger Talk. If you have a calling to serve people in your community and help bring about positive change, come join us. Compass Health Network is currently hiring for multiple positions. We serve communities in 46 counties across Missouri and have a place for you. If you are a licensed therapist, nurse, integrated health specialist, dental assistant, office manager, or IT specialist, Compass Health Network offers a supportive work environment and great benefits. Find out more at careers.compasshealthnetwork.org. Did you know Channel Master antennas receive high definition and digital signals over the air from a span of 180 degrees and up to 80 miles of range? And Thorpe's Appliances is your area dealer. And that TCL, Roku, and Smart TVs with 32 to 75 inch screens are available starting as low as $229. Call Thorpe's Appliances at 667-8787 to schedule a free quote. Your local authorized Channel Master dealer. Thorpe's Appliances, since 1945. Thorpe's Appliances, 114 North Cedar, three generations serving the Vernon County area since 1945. With a whisper quiet engine and loaded with standard accessories, the Arctic Cat Prowler Pro Ranch Edition takes your riding experience to the next level. Visit your authorized Arctic Cat Sales and Service Center, El Dorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, where they are more than happy to ship parts. El Dorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, located at 3270 South Highway 32 in El Dorado Springs, Missouri. Call 877-390-5148. Visit them online at eldoradocycle.com. This is Dr. Eric Anderson at the 54 Vet Clinic. Cattle producers know that a bull is one of the biggest investments in your herd and has the greatest impact on your herd's reproduction. Lately, I have been seeing an increased incidence of bulls failing their semen evaluations due to the extreme cold temperatures that occurred late this past winter. Call 54 Vet Clinic and let us make sure your bull is up for the job of maximizing your herd's potential. That's 54 Vet Clinic just west of Nevada on Highway 54. Hey, welcome back to Tiger Talk. Again, Mike Harbin with you tonight here on, uh, again, AM 1240 KODM 99.9 FM along with KODM, KNMO.com. Good news for the Nevada Tigers again. Go to 4-1 on the season with a 54-14 win at Monette against the Cubs in Big A West Division play on the road this past Friday night. Uh, uh, been hard to believe if you came in late uh, or just heard the score and it was nothing-nothing after first, uh, the first quarter, but Nevada with 24 second-quarter points and then, again, go on to win at 54-14 on Friday. Uh, kind of spoiling Monette's homecoming a bit uh, this past Friday night down at Burl Fowler Stadium. Tiger Red Coach West Beecher joins us now. Coach, how are you? Good, Mike. How are you? We're good. Uh, good things to talk about again this week. Uh, good bounce back game, obviously. Disappointing loss uh, to Lamar. Uh, again, all the accolades in the world deservedly so down to Lamar. So, obviously, a tough game, but you can bounce right back. I don't know if there was any hangover or not. Maybe that's too strong a term, but a bit of a slow start in the first quarter, but a good, certainly strong second quarter and just carried that the rest of the way through. Good performance for 54 points. Back where we've seen you the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, I think I think the the main thing there, Mike, was we we tried that halfback pass 
to start the game. It was there. I mean, Avius was open on the – he went from his wing position, faked a block, and ran a wheel route in case – could have had an opportunity to throw it to him, but the blocking wasn't where it was supposed to be. So then Case gets sacked, I guess you would say, and that, because it was a throwing attempt. Uh, so then we're facing second and 16, came back with like an eight-yard run and make it third and eight. They'd have like a six-yard run, but it was still like fourth and two, so we kind of dug ourselves a hole. And then they had the two pretty long sustained drives in the first quarter that ate up a lot of the clock. Our, our short possession and their two longer possessions kind of ate up quite a bit of the clock. So um, – just didn't get on track to the second quarter. But when we got on track, we really, on both sides, played pretty well in the second quarter. Although you did, and again, you got that yardage back up there, 504 yards of total offense, 379 in rushing yardage, but 125 yards in, uh, in passing. I don't know if that's your high water mark as a coach in Nevada, but it's got to be pretty close. <laughs> I think there's a, probably – I know if I – remember this correctly i think there was one time in 2017 when we had Braden hinton mm-hmm. throwing to hunter mason and shelby trotter out of the backfield i think we got up around 170 to 181 game a couple big plays but uh yeah it's it's that's where i'd you know i'd like to be i'd like to be in that eight to 12 throws and you know right around 100 to 150 yards and the big thing like we talked about off air you know if it's uh when we're throwing eight touchdown passes and zero picks i'll continue to put the ball up a little bit but you know Three things happen when you throw the ball. Two of them are bad. You, you don't want incompletions. You don't want second and tens. And you don't want picks. But Cade's making great decisions, so we'll continue to kind of enhance that and change that and mix it in there, and it should be beneficial for us. I was going to say, in order to have eight touchdowns and zero interceptions, you got to have you got to have a quarterback who makes good decisions. And uh, for a first-year varsity starter, he's certainly making some good ones. He is. You know, very proud of him. Uh, every, you know, every now and then he he doesn't throw it where I think it should go. But he's been pretty successful doing that, you know. And um, what I mean by that is there's a couple times where I think my eyes will go to one receiver that's open and his eyes go to another receiver that's also open. So I told him in that case, you can't be wrong. If you got two guys open, pick the one you feel the most comfortable throwing to. But doing a real good job. And this is back-to-back years, Mike. I think we talked about it at the beginning of this year. Last year we completed 63%, eight touchdowns and only three picks. Now, two of those touchdown passes were from Eli Chaney. You know, on a halfback pass or a double pass, but uh, when we're when we have that kind of interception or touchdown interception ratio, and we're completing sixty percent, we'll throw a little more. The, the years that we're you know we're under that forty five percent completion mark, it's pretty tough to to call those plays, knowing it's a less than fifty percent chance of moving the ball. Yeah, and only threw the ball. It seemed like more than this, but you threw the ball seven times on Friday night, uh, five of seven, hundred twenty five yards, but three touchdowns. So you you obviously are picking your spots when you feel like it's there. Well, there's, I mean, there's certain things that I don't know if I want to talk about on air, but the offensive staff, there's certain things that Coach Alexander, Coach Wyant, Coach Howard, and myself are looking for uh, from the defense that will make a certain pass play open. And, you know, uh, just I really can't say enough about our, our coaching staff. I, I Very cohesive group. Everybody's on the same page on both sides of the ball. And, you know, it would be fun to sit here and say I'm I'm calling 100 percent of the plays, but I'm not. I'm getting input from all three of those guys, and they all do a good job. They're aware of what's going on, and uh, so when you've got four guys with a pretty good football IQ figuring out what the defense is doing, it makes those calls a little bit easier. So we, we did we did select when and and where to throw it pretty well last Friday night. And truth be told, it probably should have been six or seven. I think the receiver would probably agree should have held on to that ball on a, on a tight end dump pass, but uh, so it really should have been six out of seven. Yeah, and you know, Cartman and Cartman and Drew and Avius and and Case, they haven't dropped very many this year. We've been we've been pretty sticky fingered catching the football. So yeah, I think Cartman would agree. I know you want to call him out there, but he's he can take it. He's had a heck of a year. And um, yeah, we we haven't dropped very many. I don't think we'll drop very many the rest of the year. They're they're, they're pretty sure handed. Yeah, he's leading in touchdowns receiving, so we'll give him a pass. Yeah, we'll get yeah. We'll just, we'll, <laughs> As long as he's doing that, he can drop and, one and every pat- now and then. And doing the patented spin move, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I gave him too much too much grief when he did that and filmed the next day. But it might be the slowest spin move I've ever seen, but it worked. It worked on a really good athlete. It worked on J.J. O'Neal week one. And I thought he, he – Cartman knew what he was doing, I guess. Absolutely. Well, uh, the, the ball game, again, uh, all Nevada after the first quarter of play. And uh, we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Let's go through the – Highlights in the contest. So they weren't all on the offensive side, but uh, those are the easiest ones to find when I'm, I don't have a lot of time here at the end of the month. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about a couple of defensive plays and we get past uh, the offensive highlights and run back here because uh, we do have a lot of these. And so we'll run through these uh, fairly quickly, but we'll talk about each one. But it was a scoreless uh, first quarter of play, but then Nevada was finally able to get on the board. And it, 
came from a source that we've seen now quite often so far here in the first five weeks of the season, that being the junior wingback, Avius Stedman, who has an act for finding open territory. And he did here on a third and two play from the 32-yard line of Nevada and gets Nevada on the board for the first time on Friday night. Nevada now just trying to move the chains here on their own end of the field at the 32-yard line. Be short to Stedman. Around the left side. He's got the first down and more. He's in the he's secondary, gone. and he's going all the way. 40, the 30, the 20, the 15, the 10, the 5, and a touchdown for Nevada. A touchdown run that goes for 68 yards, and Nevada's on the board, leading 6 to nothing. Seems like the more room he has to work with, the better. And, I mean, yardage downfield to reach the end zone. He has an, uh, It seems like the more space he has to work with, the better off he is. Well, I know that they're, I think their safety was shocked a little bit. He kind of came a, on a downhill angle. Next thing he knew, Avius was next to him, pulling away from him. So if you don't take a good angle on him, he's going to outrun a lot of people to the end zone and really does a good job of sticking his foot in the ground and getting vertical when he sees a seam. And he's, he's really good at that. And that, that's the same thing he did here. He got to the edge. The blocking on that play was about as good as I've seen on that play this year. It was a really good job. Drew. Beachford blocked down and pinned the D end, and uh, Ryan Godsey, who's only a sophomore, pulled around and sealed the linebacker that was blitzing up and kicked him out. So, Avius ran right between those two. Case Anderson got a block down the field, and he was off to the races. And you give him you give him a five-yard head start and go on in front of him, he's pretty tough to catch. Stemming for the record at 10 carries for 150. Over 150 yards, 150, sorry, 158 on Friday night with the uh, with the touchdown, and that was on that 69-yarder we just ran back. Uh, but it wasn't the only touchdown he had. We'll hear more here about him in just a minute. But Nevada made all their two-point conversions, so we'll, we won't bother with that. But 8 nothing in favor of Nevada. Uh, so Nevada then gets the ball back late second quarter play. Again, had quite a little run going here. And uh, following a 22-yard run by Stedman down to the Monette 8-yard line, Caden Bishore, who called his number, well, not called his number, but it just happened that he kept the ball a little bit more often on Friday night. Uh, was able to finish off the drive for his first touchdown of the season rushing with uh, a first and goal. Stedman back to the right wing. Lee now in at the fullback position for Nevada. Sanderson in motion to the right. Quarterback keeper by Bishore to the five-yard line. Down to the two, down to the one. Does he have his he first in. His first touchdown of the year? He does. Cade Bishore with an eight-yard touchdown run. And Nevada with a 14-0 lead with a two-point conversion coming up. And Bishore on the quarterback keeper. Uh, and and uh, we, I, I, I kidded because I, I kind of missed up because I said that. I asked you if he's called it more. He was calling his own number more by design on Friday night during the post game show and uh it wasn't so much that as it just kind of a victim just kind of the way the circumstances worked out right? well i mean at this point in the year we're we're going to keep adding wrinkles to what we do and one of those is um we, we joked with kate a little bit saturday morning both him and dylan get ragdolled dylan last year they get you know they're they're 140 to 155 pounds i'm not sure what kate weighs dylan's right around 150 last year i think but they'll get a big d lineman or linebacker grab a hold of their jersey and just toss them around but when they they can move the pile once in a while when they need to and it he there was first contact about the four three or four yard line and Cade kind of kept his legs churning and got in there it, it's just a it's just a case of plays that we have in mike we've had those plays in we haven't run them a whole lot we haven't needed to and now's a good time to show them and start implementing Cade as a runner a little bit as well and it's just something else the defenses have to defend going down the stretch here nevada got the ball back on a thanks to a turnover as uh, monette threw the ball away logan marquardt coming with a pass interception at set nevada up we'll talk about that here in a second but it set nevada up as on a first and ten uh, Nevada was able to get back on the board as this time a TD pass from Bishore to Sanderson. It was first and 10. Can't remember. It wasn't the first play after the turnover. It was about three plays later. But Nevada goes long distance to get on the board for the third time, for the third time rather, in the second quarter. So first and 10 for the Tigers at their own 41 yard line. Same offensive set. This time back to pass is Bishore. Left side receiver open. Kay Sanderson makes the catch of the 35, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Touchdown, Nevada. 59-yard touchdown pass from Kate Beshore to Kay Sanderson. Beshore picking up the touchdown pass for him, his fifth touchdown throwing this season. And he went out a couple more. But that was the first one of the night. Uh, but it uh, couldn't have thrown that ball any better. Uh, he had Sanderson right on stride and the hands outstretched just like he draw it up. Yeah, it was, it was a nice ball and had a couple options. We had two guys running free, and he, he picked. And honestly, on that particular pass play, Case is the first option. He's the first read. So if he's open, you let it fly. Um, did a nice job hitting him in stride, like you said, and it's a play that we practice frequently, and it 
when we call it and it's there, it's it, it's pretty looking play. And we go back because it was set up. That drive was set up on the pass interception by Logan Marquardt and uh, picked it off. We talked last week on the show and on pregame that the the quarterback Devin Madrid was prone to the interception, and we saw a little bit of that. Uh, uh, that was probably a mistake that he threw, and and Logan was there to take advantage of it. Well, he threw it. You know, he was rolling to his left and tried to throw it back across his body, and uh, Lucas Higgins actually got a hand on it, made it wobble out a little bit. Then Marquardt was made a good play on it. And, you know, anytime the ball's in the air, we, we tell our kids all the time, if the ball's in the air, it's ours. you got to go get it, make a play on it. And Logan did that. And um, he has a knack for getting some of those tip passes. He got one against Lamar last year down there. So, right place at the right time and made a good play on the ball. That made it 24 to nothing after the two-point conversion. That's how things stood going into the locker room at halftime. And uh, I imagine you feel pretty good at that point after a scoreless first quarter of play. You're giving up a lot of yards. Uh, got fortunate with the drop pass by Monette in the end zone. But uh, you pick up a fumble recovery. Uh, you get the interception. So probably feel a little bit better at the half than you did at the end of the first quarter. Well, I thought offensively we started executing at a high level again. We you know, we, we had the good third quarter against Lamar, and then we were not so good in the fourth quarter against Lamar, not very good first quarter against Monette, but we started to hit our stride in that second quarter. So we felt like we were going to be a better team offensively in the second half. We just need to keep things rolling. Nevada got the ball first to begin the second half of play. It didn't take them long to get on the board. In fact, it took exactly a minute and 12 seconds for Nevada to get in the end zone. And again, they go back to the air. Nevada coming to the line of scrimmage at first and 10, already leading 24 to nothing. Back to pass is Beachworth. Throws it down the left side for Beachler. He's open. Catch made the 10-5. Touchdown. Drew Beachler in the end zone. Touchdown pass, 32 yards. Beachler gets his first touchdown receiving this season. And for Cade Beachler, his second touchdown passing tonight. And a quick correction. That was actually Drew's uh, second touchdown of the season. How I don't know how I forgot the touchdown he had at the end of the first half at Cassville. But uh, second touchdown of the season for Drew Beachler. But uh, that one, again, another one thrown right on the dime by, uh, by Beachler sure on the flag pattern and and he didn't have to break stride at all no another good ball and um something we saw in the defense we had a feeling that that would be there and it was and we I, you never know mike you you call a play that you think is going to be there sometimes and it's there and it looks like that and sometimes you call it and you're like how did that kid recognize that that's what we were going to do so it's it's always kind of you know i learned a long time ago doing this too long sometimes <laughs> probably but uh you know just you you make a call based on what you think is going to be there you watch and you analyze and of course we're always trying to set things up you know we're going to run this play to see how they handle it and then we got a counter play to that or a passing play that meshes with that play so we called some plays earlier in the night to set that up and we had a feeling once we saw the defense reacting to that play we could go to the play action off of it and it turned out pretty well on that particular play. 32 nothing in favor of Nevada at that point. Uh, again, after the two-point conversion, Monette did score uh, later on the third quarter of play. That got him back within 32-7 to on a three-yard run by the fullback, McCauley. But Nevada again had the quick answer. 3-13 to go in the third quarter of play. Following that Monette score, Nevada provided the answer with the third uh, TD pass of the night. And you'll hear it right here. Third down and nine. B-Shore rolling right, looking to throw. Has receivers in the pattern. Throws for the end zone. Lost it up for Stedman. Catches made. Did he hang on? He did. Wow. Touchdown, Nevada. What a nice pass. What a nice catch. 12-yard touchdown pass. Be sure to Stedman. Two things about that pass into the end zone. Number one, Cade uh, putting it only where his receiver could get it, and Stedman showing his athletic ability to go up there and get it. Yeah, and those were the painful ones. You know, he's <laughs> uh, Avius goes up. He's fully extended off the ground, catches it above his head, and as he's catching, he gets hit and has to come down on his backside and his shoulders and his head. And But he, uh, it, it was a nicely placed ball. You know, it's either going to be Avius's catch or it's going to go out of bounds, let it play another down. So, K did place that one nice, and it was a good catch. Again, that two-point conversion was good to make it a 40-7. to Nevada comes right back again early on in the fourth quarter as they get the ball back and turn right around 40-7 at the end of the third. And this time, uh, Jordan Johnson had a couple of big, drive, big, couple of big runs on a drive that got him to the one-yard line. And I don't know if this is by design or not, but the coaching staff lets him finish it off with a one-yard run. Johnson still at running back. See if they give it to him. Let him see if he can finish it off. Yep, handoff right side. Got pushed back, but he bounces off. Finds the purple end zone. Touchdown, Jordan Johnson. One-yard run. And Nevada puts six more on the board to make it 46-7 to over Monette with 10.48 to play. Now, I mentioned that because right before that play, he had a 22-yard run uh, bulldozing over tacklers, and I have to add, uh, to get it down to the one-yard line. So are you consciously saying, we need to let him finish that yeah, off? Yeah, that was a conscious decision in that case because he, he had an, another oh probably eight to 12 yeah. yard run earlier in that drive so he he 
carried the ball and, and had some really positive runs on that. So we're down to the one. Why not give it to him again and let him finish it off? So that in that, in that case, it was not necessarily calling what was ideally there. They they actually had it kind of defended well, but he made a good break to the outside and it was well deserved. Yeah, in fact, he bounced into the line, had nowhere to go, so he bounces off, finds real estate on about three yards out, and nobody touched him. Yeah, and he's pretty tough. Pretty tough young man. He's pretty physical. You know, just this week we moved him from outside linebacker to DN, and he's picking things up quick. So he's there's no there's no fear of contact with him, and so it's it's a, it's a nice pickup to have him as part of our team. Well, it's at this point that you decide to bring out the, the PAT team and uh, the kicking team. Well, why not? Let's see if it uh, happens. Well, unfortunately, it didn't go as planned. It did not go as planned. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that think, man, that ought to be relatively easy. Mm-hmm. Mike, you got to have a snapper. You got to get the hold down. You got to drive the kick. Um, we do have two freshmen that are working on every day after practice with Coach Craig Thorpe. He coaches yeah. our seventh grade. He was a kicker here at Nevada and went on and kicked Very in college. Good. And so he's got a, he's got uh, his son Bodie and um, Elijah Boodle, another freshman. They're out there working. And, and I walked by the other night, and they were they were putting the ball through the uprights from about the twenty yard line, so some thirty yard kicks. Mm-hmm. And they're getting better and better. So we'll continue to work on that. And uh, but right now, like we've talked about, I think we're around seventy percent on two, sixty five percent somewhere in there. So we'll just keep doing that for now, and, and we'll keep working on it. And when it gets a little more accurate, you know, the thing is, I'm not overly concerned about kicking PATs. We can go for two, and like we've talked about on the show before, if we hit 50% on our twos, it's the same as yeah. hitting 100% on one, which most people don't hit 100% on one. But my concern is we have a fourth and eight from the 12 sometime, and we're in the middle of the field, and there's three seconds left of the two-point ball game. It should be nice to roll a field goal unit out there and know we have a chance to get it through the upright. So we'll keep working on it in case that scenario comes up. and. Uh, It'd be nice to, to to have that available to us. Well, and the good news is you're in a you're in a scenario where it's okay. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, you've got a forty to seven lead at this point in the right. fourth quarter, so it's good to have that luxury. Right, and that's not always going to be the case. Like I said, we're, we just we're going to keep trying to pick and choose our times, but we're going to have to. That's that's something. It doesn't happen very often in high school football, but I, I would sure hate to lose a game because you know we've got a tough fourth and eight from the 10, 11, 12, like I said, and, and we we're, we don't have anybody that's got a chance of drilling a. In that case, would be a, like a twenty-nine yard field goal. It'd be nice to have that available to us. So we got to continue to work on that part of our game. Well, Monette would score with about four and a half minutes to go and a ten-yard touchdown pass from Madrid to Marcus Young, made it forty-six fourteen. But Nevada wasn't done. By this time, though, they're pretty deep into the roster, giving some second and thirteen guys an opportunity out on the field. Always good to see a first-time varsity touchdown, and we had that with uh, three and a half, just under four minutes to go, courtesy of Desmond Robinson. Second down and twelve for Nevada. Robinson on the carry. He's got running room, 50-yard line, 45, busted in the open, 35-30. Will he get his first, his first varsity touchdown? He will. Desmond Robinson in the end zone, his first varsity touchdown. That goes for 54 yards, six points, Nevada. And that's one you always remember. I remember my one and only touchdown in high school. I played defense. I want to clarify that. <laughs> it was on a pass interception. Uh, but uh, you always remember that first one. Yeah, I mean, I, too, was an offensive lineman and played some <laughs> linebacker, and I had one defensive touchdown on a toss sweep. I blitzed through the gap, and the quarterback pitched it right to me. So, I mean, you, you do remember those, and those are fun. Of course, I have teammates that say if they wouldn't have blocked for me, I would never would have made it. I got caught. Well, that's true or not. But, uh, yeah, I th- he'll remember that for a long time. Good run, and, and he's really improved. You know, first year out, he, he, he went to middle school in Lamar, mm-hmm. uh, came here last year as a freshman, didn't play, although I tried to talk him into it, came out this year. So, he's still learning. But he, his learning curve is getting a little shorter, getting a little straighter for him. So he's uh, done a nice job, particularly on the offensive side, and, and just getting to be more comfortable with what he's doing and what he sees out there. So it's good to see him do that and uh, continue to build on, on getting him worked into the rotation. And Nevada finishes it off with a two-point conversion. That made the final 54-14 to 14 as Nevada improves a 4-1 and one on the year and uh, dropped Monette to 1-4. and four. Nevada now 2-1 and one in the Big 8 West Division. So we obviously ran back a lot of offensive highlights there. Let's talk about the defense side of the football. Probably gave up more yards than we like. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Uh, 350 as a matter of fact. Uh, a lot of rushing yards, but able to uh, get those turnovers. Uh, what was it? Three or four. I had two interceptions. J.D. Downing had an interception. Uh, Logan Marquardt an interception. Uh, Campbell had a uh, fumble recovery. Was there one more? I can't remember. Three or four turnovers anyway, but able to stop drives by uh, getting the turnover. And 
along with those, Mike, we, we had a couple stops on fourth down, and we did force a couple punts mm-hmm. there in the third quarter that's, that kills some drives. So, uh, again, it's not – we talked about last week, I don't want to have a bend-not-break mentality like some of the NFL teams did back in the, in the 80s and 90s. But Like the Chiefs um, do now? Yeah. We, but we, they break. Yeah, we, we don't want to break. <laughs> um, but, it, but it's, you know, it's – we're we're going to run our offense every week, and we've been running it since June. We've been running it since 2017. Defensively, our defensive staff and our defensive players, they have to go out there every week and get three days of practice against a different-looking offense every week. And, and that always provides for a challenge. You know, I know I've had a lot of my friends that I coach against, you know, I'll ask them, like when I left the COC, I talked to some of my closer friends in that conference, hey, what's what's the tendency, what what do you see, and and those kind of things. And, you know, they always say it's hard to duplicate your offense in practice, and we think we've got it down, but then our kids see it on Friday night full speed, and it's an entirely different speed. Well, it's the same for our defense. You know, we're we're defending something a little bit different each week, and our scout team tries real hard, but it's not going to be as crisp as the other team's varsity. So that's one big disadvantage to be in defense. It's reactionary, and you've got to do you're working against something different every week. Whereas offensively. We know the plays we're going to run. We just got to look at how they're going to align against us and review our blocking assignments and when we got to check and when we got to call some offensive line trades and some switches and some changes. And our kids are getting pretty good at that. So it's a challenge each and every week to defend. You know, they they went empty a couple times. We yeah. we don't see that in the Big 8 West yeah. very often. Yeah. Especially so from that. Yeah, so that's a challenge, and, and that's that's one thing our defense is up against each and every week. Well, let's talk about, uh, talk about the J.D. Downing uh, JD Downing interception because, again, Monette was knocking on the door, and, uh, and that pick came around a five-yard line somewhere in that facility, and uh, obviously a big play to turn it around and go the other way. Yep, good jump on the ball, good read on the path of the ball. And, again, we tell our kids, hey, the ball's in the air, we want to go make a play on it. That was a good break by J.D. It just could, went and made a great play on the ball. And we need those guys to continue to make those kind of plays. You know, it just And you got to be, as a defensive back, you're going to get beat sometimes. It's just a fact that every level they get beat. Mm-hmm. You know, but you got to be you, you got to be pretty confident and, and be able to go after a ball and be aggressive sometimes. And he picked a good time to be aggressive and jump a route. Well, a good performance for Nevada. One thing we talked, one thing I noted, um, we talked last week at the Lamar game about going zero for eight on third down. This week, uh, didn't have that many third downs actually. You go, but you only had five, but you make four of them, eighty percent. Uh, you'll take that every week. I'll take that every week, and I would also take not getting a lot of third downs. That's that's the best, <laughs> that's the best way to do it. But yeah, I know a lot of those, Mike. Um, Against Lamar, unfortunately, we, we did score on first and second down. When we did score, I think there's back to back first downs um, in that third quarter, but. You know, against Lamar, we found ourselves in some third and eights, third and nines. We we didn't we were in that situation Friday night. Monette, our third downs were third and twos and third and threes, and uh, that's a lot more manageable. Fifty four fourteen was the final. Onward and upward, as they say. Uh, Nevada played a homecoming last week in Monette. This week, they're playing homecoming in Nevada at Logan Field Friday night. Could be a soggy Logan Field. According to the forecast, we'll see how it all pans out. It just has a way of going around Nevada sometimes, so we'll see if that uh, continues. But uh, it is a wet weather forecast that could play into the game as Nevada gets ready to host the Seneca Indians on Friday. We need to come back and break them down, and we'll do that this time out on Tiger Talk. The Plumbing Shop in Nevada would like to announce that they're your Navian hot water dealer. Navian systems offer more output for the money, lower installation costs, and lower operating costs for the homeowner. The Plumbing Shop also specializes in mostly commercial and new home builds. For a new Navian system in your commercial property or residential home, contact the Plumbing Shop at 417-667-1319. Keeping you out of hot water by keeping you in hot water. At Nevada Auto Mall, we've been busy getting some very nice local one-owner trade-ins. Come check out this 2019 Jeep Compass Sport that will get you great fuel economy and only has 7,500 miles. Or how about a 2013 Ford F-150 King Ranch Crew Cab 4x4? This truck is like new and has very low miles. Vehicles like this and more are only at Nevada Auto Mall, the place where you get your deal. Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse is more than just barbecue. They offer a 60-person banquet room and can cater your next event. They have a full menu in-house and can customize limited menus catered specifically to your needs. So schedule your next event at Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse or just come by and have a great meal. Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse, which is the Nevada Tigers' good luck. 
Buzz's Barbecue and Steakhouse at 2500 East Austin in Nevada. Call 667-4227. That's 667-4BBQ. With warm days coming to an end, think Sutherland's home base of Nevada. With everything you need to get that house and outside area ready for the colder months. From products for your windows, heaters, pipes, and everything in between. Sutherland's will make sure you are prepared for the upcoming months. Sutherland's Home Base, 2101 East Austin, Nevada. Great products, great people, low prices. Back on post game, back on post game, back on uh, Tiger Talk tonight. Sometimes people need to, we need to have a webcam here with a mic so people can see the off-air conversations sometimes. But back on Tiger Talk tonight here on uh, KDM, KNMO. By the way, don't forget, uh, coming up, uh, St. Louis Cardinal Baseball. It's already on the air on 97.5 FM, KNMO against Milwaukee. They're just now getting that game underway. We'll join it in progress here on AM 1240, KNEM, and 99.9 FM when we're done here after the Nevada Tiger Talk program. But in case you happen to tune in uh, thinking you're going to find the Cardinal game, it is on our sister station on 97.5 FM KNML. Let's talk about the Seneca Indians. Seneca coming in the matchup at 3-2, and 1-2, uh, and two in, uh, actually 1-1 one one in Big 8 uh, West play because they, they had already played their third crossover game. So, uh, new head coach, uh, uh, Seneca graduate Cody Hilburn, uh, 2001 graduate as Seneca, came back uh, this year. He's a form, has an offensive coordinator uh, pedigree, so I assume he's running their offense. So, what do you know about him, and what, if any, changes have you seen out of Seneca this year? Well, he's been an assistant to John Guidi at Carthage for quite a number of years. I think probably at least seven, unless my memory's not very good, which is possible at times. But, um, so, yeah, it's going to look a little bit like the things that Carthage likes to do, some zone read and, and some misdirection stuff and get the quarterback involved. They're, they're uh, very effective at running to the edge. And, you know, obviously with, with some of the struggles we've had with our pass rush and our pass defense, they're, they're probably going to try that a little bit some as well. But uh, I think it's there's going to be a lot of zone read stuff and there's going to be um, a lot of offense running to the perimeter and trying to get to the edge. So I think that's what we we'll primarily need to defend, that along with some passing game. Seneca coming off a loss to McDonald County 35-7 to uh, last Friday, and that was played at Seneca. Uh, I'm not surprised McDonald County won that game. I'm a little surprised by the spread. I really thought Seneca would be a little more competitive in that game. Well, there's a lot of things that, that factored in that. Seneca had some miscues in that game that, that led to some of that point spread. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen McDonald County quite a few times just in trading film. We're not spending a lot of time watching them, but we're watching their opponent. We're kind of following them through the schedule. And they played really – that's probably the best game that I've seen them play as far as executing goes. So, a couple factors there. But, yeah, it, it was kind of a larger point spread than I would expected. But, it's you know, it's a case of where uh, Matt County played really well and Seneca didn't necessarily play bad but didn't play their best game. And, and we'll probably get a, a much better team in here on Friday night. Okay, so let's bring up a sore subject. You know where I'm going. Yeah. Last year's ball game, uh, 27-26, lose it in the final minute uh, of the ball game after having taken the lead. They went down the field in about uh, less than 30 seconds uh, to get that winning score. How much do you talk about it? Do you go back and revisit it, or is it in the closet and you don't mention it? Well, I revisited today because I didn't think we practiced offensively very well. And I said, you know, this is kind of like we practiced last year. We had had a big home win. It may have been homecoming against Bonnet last year. It was. And uh, then went down to Seneca and – was a little loosey goosey on the trip down, a little loosey goosey in the locker room before the game, and and I told him I remember um, shutting off the music they were playing as I walked into the locker room before the game, and told him that hey, this is the team that might beat you tonight because you're looks like you're taking some things for granted. Well, we score with about two and a half to go, and I don't know about this. You scored too soon, you know. That's easy to say, but what are you supposed to do? You know, two and a half minutes left and you mm-hmm. run a play that you're trying to get a first down, all of a sudden it turns into an opportunity to score. You're supposed to dive on the two yard <laughs> line and run some more clock before I mean that's that's hard yeah, to that's yeah. hard to you there's no way you can yeah. judge that stuff. So I remember calling twins left, nineteen joker pass and we were on about the eight and we need to get like four yards for a first down and Dylan ended up keeping and running it in for a touchdown with about two and a half to go to put us up, I believe twenty six twenty at the time. Yep. And then that left them about two minutes, 20 seconds, and it was two, 20 seconds at least too long, and they went down and scored. Uh, so, you know, we did bring it up a few times this week. It's a team that, you know, probably 
that night they deserved it, but a team that probably shouldn't have beat us last year. So we made a point of that, that we don't want to have that situation again. I'm not saying we're that much better than Seneca. I'm not saying it should be a sure win, but we sure in heck don't want to have them come in here on homecoming and us take them a little bit too lightly or get too big for our britches after beating Monette and then lay an egg against them and come on the short end of it again. They did lose a very good quarterback uh, after going three and seven. They went three and seven, but they had a good quarter, a quarterback in Lance Stevens. Don't know if they had a lot of weapons around him, but uh, how have they done in replacing him? Well, pretty good, I think. I, I don't think we're going to see as good a passer as you saw as Stevens' kid last year. It, uh, they're going to be a little bit more heavy on the run, I think, and, and like we talked about earlier, trying to get to the edge. But the passing game is viable. I mean, it's there. It's a factor. It, it's it's not what it was last year, but it, but they can hurt you with it. So it's – uh, they've done okay, but, you know, the the two things that I noticed initially is, I don't know if you remember, Mike, but they had two linebackers last year that were just nails. Those guys were good, and I, I, I'm glad they're not out there. <laughs> good graduation was for, for those two was bad for Seneca, but good for everybody else. They were they were outstanding football mm-hmm. players. So uh, I think they've done okay. He's, he's a solid quarterback, but I don't think he's quite as good as last year. But, you know, you sure enough, you say that stuff, and all of a sudden he has his game of his career, you know, against you. So he's, he's definitely a young man that can make some things happen. We're going to have to be aware of that. The um... – when you talk about uh, their offense, they list their offense as a power spread. Kind of explain that. Well, I mean, you're you're probably talking to the wrong guy. Yeah. Anything with spread, <laughs> spread, and spread it, yeah. in the title is probably not the best thing. <laughs> but they're they're going to have they're going to have like an H back, and he's going to be like mm-hmm. our fullback, be a sniffer fullback up there, tight to the offensive line at times, or maybe be outside the tight end. And you know they're, they're going to try to run some some zone blocking with an ISO block with it, or with a stretch play around the end. You know, um, it's it's more what you see um, from like a Carthage type of team. Um, obviously, with Cody coming from there, but um, it, it, it's hard to describe. I, I would guess they're doing zone blocking with that. I haven't watched that much of their offense. I just watched mm-hmm. what their effective plays. I, I want the defensive staff handle most of that, but I just noticed where they were the most effective was the short passing game and getting to the edge. When they get to the edge, they're a handful, a little bit of speed. They block those plays well. So we'll try to make everything bounce to the outside and try to cover all the alleys and run it down for very little gain. It's okay if somebody runs 10 yards if he's only gaining two. If he's going towards our end zone for two of those 10, I'm okay with that. It's when he's getting vertical and going 10 yards towards our goal line, it's going to be a problem. So we'll try to, to isolate that, break it down, and, and make him run to the sidelines and for very little gain. Okay, so you have been watching a lot of defensive side then. And so a 4-3 defense, uh, where do you see their strengths at? Well, I think that I think their DNs play pretty well. They get hands on. They close down well. Uh, they're tough to kick out. They squeeze. They stay on the line of scrimmage. They're tough tough to deal with at DN. Um, their linebackers, like we said, it'd be hard pressed to replace the two they had last year. But they're formidable. They're they're good high school linebackers. They read well. They flow quick. Um, secondary uh, haven't seen a lot of passing, but. They've had a hard time tackling people. I don't know if that's necessarily a reflection of Seneca's defensive backs or if it's more a reflection of who they play. That that quarterback from Matt County is a slippery son of a gun, and so he's tough for anybody to tackle. Um, but I think overall they're sound defensively. Um, I see them make adjustments as games go on that's beneficial and helps them slow some people down. So I think they're pretty well coached on that side, and we'll just have to – uh, be able to line up and, and impose our will on them and do what we do, and, and hopefully it's enough to, to keep moving the sticks and getting some scores. Well, the teams get ready to match up on uh, Friday night uh, this week for the first time. You go in as a, a ranked team. I know you don't care, but it's, but uh, you go in as a ranked team. <laughs> right, oh, you're ranked number 10 this week in the right. Class 4 uh, media poll, if the media knows anything. So you're uh, you're ranked in the – you're number 10 this week in, uh, in Class 4, uh, one of three teams in Class 3 District 7. Harrisonville dropped out. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, so I guess since you didn't know, it's probably a question that comes out of left field. But do you, <laughs> but do you, do you think that puts a – does that put a target on you going into this week? You know what? I don't – I think what what you said there initially, you know, it's just people looking at scores and not really breaking things down. I I don't know. Um, 
how much high school boys look at the rankings and go, oh, we're playing a ranked team. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a big deal at the college level. You know, like it, it, anywhere that Clemson or Alabama or Ohio State or Oklahoma, anywhere those schools – I can't believe I just said Oklahoma. I should say Texas. They've got to be ranked first. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. Your mother your, – okay. your mother. Your wife is now very mad at me. Yeah, well, yes, she should be. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know that high school – because, I mean, I, I – and, and you know I'm being sincere. I think most people probably do. I, I don't. I don't even look at that. I mean, I'm going to absorb myself and watch and film with the next opponent. I'm going to spend a little bit of time with my family. I'm going to do as much of those things as I can. I'm still going to teach in the weight room every day, so don't really dig into that a whole lot. I'm. I think the only time that I try to use any of that as motivation is. I'll go back to last year for team beat us like Seneca last year beat us 20 seconds left. You know, you can use that kind of stuff. But I don't know if, if high school kids really grasp that rank stuff or not. But So I don't know if that puts a target, target on us or not. Um, it, 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 it's good to have a, the recognition that people realize that, that we're doing some good things here. But uh, we still just have to go out and play football and play it our style and, and take care of business on the field. I take note of it because Nevada always has it. And whether it's whether – it's, <laughs> My phone just went off, but you want to bet your wife? <laughs> but uh, uh, no, she's a Texas Longhorn alum. Uh, but uh, uh, but I, I pay attention to it. I, I recognize it because, and whether it's correct or not, Nevada kind of has this stigma that we're kind of out here in the middle of nowhere, and so we don't get noticed by Kansas City media. We don't get noticed by Joplin media. We don't get noticed by Springfield media. So when you do get that recognition, it's something, it just seems to become noteworthy. Well, and I, and I think, Mike, like you, like you just hit on there, it's a good thing that, those people are aware that we're doing some good things here because like you said you know i think joplin does a pretty fair job i think we've been game of the week twice this year now so i think that I mean, we'll be game of the week for uh ksn i believe on uh, kod yeah the sister station yeah. kod um, yeah my, my daughter did tell me but she's on ksn but uh, their sister station yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. i mean i think Joplin part is a pretty good job, but you're right. Just just to have the recognition when you're kind of in between all those big cities um is is a nice thing but but that's a tribute to our kids for for playing the way they play you know the last two years uh practice today wasn't great but for the last two years our practices have been much better we've we've been very focused on game night we have some guys that just can't wait for the kickoff you know there's one young man i won't say his name and that his teammates can probably figure it out he 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 just he just cannot wait he literally cannot wait till the ball's kicked <laughs> off and get out there and get started so uh, I think we have a lot of kids that play the game the right way. Uh, they play for the right reasons. They they play for each other, um, and they play to represent Nevada. So it, it, they they deserve that recognition. I didn't mean to to downplay that, but your question was: Is it going to mm-hmm. be a motivator? I'm not sure if Seneca kids really know yeah, that or not. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's good for our kids, like you said, that we're kind of in a tough spot uh, geographically to not be close. I mean, I, I think particularly last year, if we're a little bit closer. To Springfield, we probably get more recognition than we did. Although we did have some nice comments about the turnaround last year, that's a tribute to our kids once again. But yeah, it's 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 good for our kids to have the recognition that people are aware that we're playing some pretty good football right now. I got a battle going on, on my phone. I got a boomer from uh, Mrs. Mashek and hook them horns from your wife on my. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just, we've created a furor. Yeah, we won't delve into the college football <laughs> arena again. I guess. <laughs> At any rate, uh, the Nevada Tigers get ready for this matchup against Seneca this week, uh, take on the Indians. So uh, I, was, I was taking a look back at their schedule because, you know, they, they – and I bring this up because we do have an iffy weather forecast. And uh, Seneca now has turf, in case people haven't don't know that. They got it in about a day before the season started, but uh, uh, before their home opener. But uh, they do play on turf. And I was looking back through their schedule uh, – Marshfield is turf. Yes. Um, Logan Rogersville is not. Hollister is turf. Uh, they played at East Newton, definitely not turf. Uh, McDonald County is turf. So they have played the majority of their games on a turf surface. So if uh, we do get, do we get, if we do get some wet weather, does that play into your hands a little bit? Well, I think um, our field will hold quite a bit, pretty well, and still be pretty playable. Uh, and I think with just with them just getting turf this year, I'm not sure it's a huge factor. Although if they practice on every day, it could be. I know when I was at Parkview, Mike, we had turf, and every time we played a team that was on grass, we went up to our grass practice field and practiced on grass all week, yeah. just because we played on turf quite a bit when I was at Parkview. So we did have a grass practice field, and that's where we when we were playing at Rolla. Um, 
I think it was at Willard. If we play in those schools, we went up and practiced on the grass all week because it is a little bit different. So, and, and I'm sure if they have a grass practice area down there, they're probably on there a couple of days this week, just knowing they're going to be on grass Friday night. But yeah, it'll be inter- interesting to see the forecast and, and see what transpires with that. Well, and uh, what about you? Uh, if we do have rain or we have uh, wet conditions, does that uh, does that alter your? Not that you want to let it out of the bag, but does that let uh, does that alter your offense at all? I think the way the way we're executing right now, and particularly the way that Cade's playing, and the decision making that he's that he's the decision making decision making level that he's at right now, I I don't think we'd change it a whole lot. Um, one thing we haven't done is we haven't practiced with a wet ball very much this year, and it's something that we are always tossing around, and then you just get rolling to practice. Sometimes mm-hmm. you forget those things, but as as few at times as our kids put the ball on the ground. Uh, I don't think that we had changed a whole lot. I know um, Jared Alexander coaches our running backs, done a nice job, and Blake Howarth coaches our quarterbacks, done a nice job, and we haven't had many problems with exchanges or anything else. A wet ball does make a little bit of difference, but you just got to be a little more sure with it, and I think our kids are capable of doing that. So I don't, I don't suspect unless it's just flat coming down the whole time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll it'll influence what we decide to do a whole lot. Nevada and Seneca Friday night, Logan Field. It is homecoming night at uh, the uh, at the stadium. So don't forget those ceremonies get underway at 6.30 about 30 minutes prior to the uh, kickoff so get out there early hopefully the weather holds off so uh, get all that in without any issues uh, for the homecoming activities which uh, obviously make, creates a big week uh, the parade on Friday afternoon so a lot of activities uh, going on in Nevada so hopefully the weather will cooperate on Friday but uh, Nevada getting ready for their matchup other Big 8 West play a Big 8 East play and crossover game uh, being played of course the Big 8 Conference we'll come back talking about last week's results what's coming up this week in the Big 8 we'll of course take a look now now that we're just past the midway point of the regular season, we'll take a look at those Class 4 District 7 standings for you as well, and we'll come back and do that at this time out on Tiger Talk. Do you miss those old days where your family can go and have great food cooked from scratch? Then head to Emory's Truck Stop in Deerfield, Missouri. They have those old-fashioned cheeseburgers, chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes and gravy, hot beef sandwiches, and breakfast served all day. And don't forget the fresh pies made daily or the gas available 24 hours a day pay at the pump. It's the locals' favorite hangout for great food, conversation, exceptional service, and low prices. Emory's Truck Stop on the south side of Highway 54 in Deerfield. When it comes to choosing the best insurance company to protect your life's most valuable possessions, trust one of Missouri's oldest and strongest mutuals, CFM Insurance. I'm Monty Smith, owner of Smith Insurance, and I am proud to partner with CFM Insurance, who's provided strength, stability, and exceptional protection for Missouri families since 1869. I'm confident that together we can build your perfect CFM homeowners, farm owners, or countryside policy to protect what you've worked so hard to achieve generations to come. Let's grow together. Call 417-667-1828 for a quote or stop by our new office location at 100 South Pruitt Street, Suite B in Nevada. You're at a place you'd like to write a check, but you know if you do, you'll get grilled. Do you have a driver's license? Do you have a job? A social security number? Why go through that? Use your debit card. It's easier and more convenient than writing a check. The First National Bank, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Now with ATM locations at Murphy's USA next to the Walmart parking lot, Wood Supermarket at 1407 West Austin in Nevada, and the First National Bank on the Nevada Square. Twice a year is a minimum. You owe it to yourself. A checkup with Dr. Travis Jackson at Nevada Family Dentistry. New patients are always accepted. Call today for an appointment at 667-3006. Nevada Family Dentistry offers you the highest level of dental care available in a warm, comfortable environment with services for all ages. They are now your local source for dental implants. Open Tuesday, 8.30 to noon and 1 to 5. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 8.30 to 1 and 2 to 5. Nevada Family Dentistry, 667-3006 at 402 East Walnut in Nevada. Veda. Back on Tiger Talk tonight, time to move into our final segment of the evening. Again, I apologize for not having a second guest tonight, but uh, my uh, my plan to kind of win a ride, uh, we'll bring him in next week, Nevada Lady Tiger at golf coach uh, Brian Leonard. I had planned to have in here this week, but uh, unfortunately he had uh, a voice issue thanks to some allergies, so it just wasn't going to pan out. So we're going to bring, we push him back a week. He'll be on the program next Wednesday night. By the way, we now know that next Wednesday night's program, I should mention this, will still be on just AM 1240, uh, KDM and 90. 
99.9 FM since the uh, St. Louis Cardinals clinched a wild card berth last night. Uh, that means they play on Wednesday night, uh, a week from tonight, in the uh, in a National League wild card game. Uh, so that'll be on 97.5 FM KNMO a week from tonight. All right, let's take a look at the uh, schedule this week for the uh, Big A Conference. We'll start with the West Division. I'll oh, actually go back to the results last week. First of all, uh, Nevada, of course, over Monette, 54-14. McDonald County beat Seneca, 35-7. Lamar all over Cassville, 35-3. I think it was 35 nothing a half that game. Lamar really called off the dogs. In the East Division, uh, Logan Rogersville over Mount Vernon, 42-15. Uh, Aurora wins big over Springfield Catholic, 58-6. Remember, Nevada will play Aurora in the last game of the regular season here in Nevada. And Hollister uh, over Reed Spring, 26-20. In the crossover game, Marshfield defeated East Newton, next week's opponent for Nevada, in Granby, 28 to 14. This week's schedule in the West Division again: Seneca at Nevada, East Newton will be at McDonald County, Monette at Cassville. Those are two one and four teams. Don't know if we'd ever thought we would see that. Uh, those teams have a lot of history, and fortunately, hasn't been very good this year. Uh, East Newton, or excuse me, East Division will have Aurora playing at Hollister. Now those are two four and one teams. We interesting to see how that game comes out, especially since Nevada plays both those teams or has played Hollister and will play Aurora. Uh, Logan Rogersville at Springfield Catholic. Catholics still looking for their first win of the year. And Reed Spring will be at Marshfield. The crossover game has Mount Vernon playing at Lamar. And uh, it's going to be a tough night for the Mountaineers. They're playing about three or four freshmen out there. So they may have a tough night ahead of them at Lamar on Friday. All right, the updated Class 4 District 7 standings uh, look like this. Lincoln College Prep uh, right now atop the, the standings at 5-0 and at 45.68 points. They're ranked number 6 right now in Class 4, but ranked number 1 in Class 4 District 11. Warrensburg Tigers did not play last Friday night. Uh, they were supposed to play Kansas City Center. That game was canceled. Uh, we can only assume it was for COVID reason. Don't know which side, but uh, they did not play. Uh, so Warrensburg at 3-1, and one, but sit at number 2. They're number 9 in Class 4 in the media poll. Nevada sitting 3rd at 41.8. Have you looked at this yet this week? I have not. Okay, so this is news to you. That's good. I, I like breaking this news to you. <laughs> Nevada sitting 3rd at 4-1 and one, at 41.8 points, so not that far behind Warrensburg. Uh, then you got a pretty good little gap back to Grandview, who's 4th. So Sitting at two and three again, they're getting by on their strength of schedule. They're sitting at uh, two and three. Harrisonville lost last week. Bit of a surprise. They lost to Excelsior Springs last week. Uh, not only did that drop them out of the top ten rankings, but it also dropped them down to six. Uh, excuse me, uh, five rather in Class Four District Seven. And again, top four get a home game in the first round. Well, Lincoln, uh, number one seed gets a first round bye with the seven team district. Bolivar is sitting six at one and four, and Kansas City East is zero and four, and uh, they are sitting in the number seven spot but uh the um, it is getting to that point where i know even you will start paying attention to it because uh you're not that far out of second got a pretty good gap right now back to fourth but that that could certainly change in a couple of weeks uh, depending on how things go uh but uh, you're right right on the heels of warrensburg for that second spot which would be good because uh you get the seven seed if you get there yeah and um you know probably mike and we talk about this every year we talk about just about uh every week when we start doing tiger talk but um usually about week eight i'll start looking at that a little bit and kind of see how it plays out but again you know we've mentioned this before that you know last year we won at aurora by more than i think people thought we would at, mm-hmm. at their place pretty solid team and there'll be a handful again this year uh and then we had harrisonville lose and then some teams that harrisonville beat um had lost mm-hmm. and so their strength of schedule went down and so it, it came down to like it, we knew we were going to play harrisonville but we got to host about midnight on friday night that last friday night because strength of schedule came into it some teams that we had beaten had won and it bumped our strength of schedule so all that thing comes into play and that it didn't have we didn't know for sure until like 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock on friday night and then it was pretty well all this we looked, our staff looked, and all the scores of all of our opponents were in and all the scores of all Harrisonville's opponents were in, so we knew it probably wasn't going to change. That's when we knew we would probably be hosting. Of course, Misha tells you you can't really look at it till yeah, noon on Sunday. Yeah. But if you know all of your opponent's scores are in for the all those games, sometimes there's a Saturday afternoon or evening game in Kansas City that may affect – you know, some of that. And I was going so, to say, be aware this year because Lincoln College Prep and Kansas City, they both are apt to play games on Saturdays. So don't, don't look at it Friday night and think everything right. is good to go. It, yeah, because there's, there's going to be some, some jostling still on, on Saturday night of that last week. But, yeah, it's, it's – uh, 
week eight is kind of when I'll kind of look and take a peek and see where we're at. And um, but before then, there's there's a lot of play, and it's interesting, you know. Uh, when they start doing this point system, like you and I talked about, that it'll be interesting for the fans and for people like that, for media guys like yourself, uh, far more than coaches until we get to about week eight or nine. Then then the coaches are going to start taking a look at it and kind of seeing where, where we stand. Yep, and uh, it's always interesting. I, th- I find it highly entertaining. I certainly prefer it over the old system uh, because it does create that intrigue, and uh, especially as we get now into the back half of the regular season, and, uh, and you don't have – as much uh, movement because you have a bigger sample size. So you don't have as much movement as you have early in the season. So it becomes a little bit more difficult to move up and down. It does. So we'll see what happens. But uh, this is another week on Friday. It is homecoming night uh, here at, uh, at Logan Fields. Hope to see a big crowd out there on Friday and uh, look forward to it. Look forward to seeing you out there. And uh, any final thoughts? What's uh, what do you see is uh, again, that's a standard question, but it's always a good one to end on. What's uh, what are your keys on Friday? Well, we got to remain explosive offensively. You know, we've, we're, we're capable. Our offensive line's been playing well. Uh, it's good to see, I think, Logan Smith at right tackle had his best game ever last week, um, played really well. Um, we know what we're going to get from Meshack and Higgins. I thought Godsey at left tackle's been getting better. Jackson Dryer's just steady Eddie there at center. Our tight ends are doing a good job of blocking, you know. So I, I think that's the key. If we can get our backs in space, we're a handful, and, and we got some good running backs, and everybody knows their names. Uh, and then defensively, we, we cleaned some things up with the linebackers this week. I think our pass rush will continue to improve. Our secondary is getting better. They're getting a little more aggressive. So we just have to continue to improve, you know, I know it's cliche and people talk about it a lot. I, I mention it a lot, but the goal is to execute at a higher level each and every week. Um, you know, I read a little article the other night about getting 1% better every day. It doesn't sound like much, but if you do that every day of the week, you're 7% better the next week, and then it just goes from there. And so we're, we're just trying to get a little bit better every day, clean some things up, and keep executing at a high level, and, and let's see what happens when the ball is kicked off on Friday nights. All right. Wish you the best of luck. We'll see you there Friday. We'll see you back here next week. All right. Thanks, Mike. Hey, day Coach Wes Beetzer. We'll come back, and I'll wrap it up for you on this Wednesday night on Tiger Talk here on Double K Country. Sharky's Pub and Grub at 400 South Johnson Drive, Nevada, is more than just a place to eat it's an atmosphere filled with your friends and family great food and drinks music and entertainment oh did i mention the food and it's all in one lively spot and what about the daily specials on your favorite eats and drinks sharky's pub and grub 400 south johnson drive nevada come on over and experience it for yourself it's not just a place to eat it's an atmosphere At Nevada Auto Mall, we've been getting some very nice local one-owner trade-ins. Come check out this 2019 Ram 3500 Longhorn Dually Diesel 4x4. This hard-to-find truck is loaded with leather, heated and cooled seats, navigation, sunroof, and a whole lot more. Best of all, this Ram only has 31,300 miles. Vehicles like this and more are only at Nevada Auto Mall, the place where you get your deal. Hi, it's MyNevadaMo.com again, reminding you we are Nevada's community bulletin board. We post current and upcoming community events, government phone numbers from city to federal, a business directory, a parks and rec page, and school activities. Speaking of school, MyNevadaMo.com would like to congratulate our students and our sports teams. Our Tigers demonstrate the spirit, sportsmanship, and values that make this country great and make Nevada a great place to live. You make us proud on the field and in the classroom. MyNevadaMo.com is rooting for you. Ferry Funeral Home is proud to have served the Nevada and surrounding area since 1925 and continues to be locally owned and family run. Ferry Funeral Home is also a proud supporter of the area's youth and Nevada high school athletics. When times are hard and you need a kind hand with a familiar face, count on Ferry Funeral Home for the sincerity your family deserves. Ferry Funeral Home, three generations finding a better way to help. 301 South Washington in Nevada. Find them fast in names and numbers. Back on Tiger Talk tonight, time to wrap it up. Let's say about our broadcast puns. By the way, in case you didn't hear earlier today, the Nevada Lady Tiger softball team did go down to defeat 4-3 to to a very good McDonald County team. Heck of a game, but 4-3 to McDonald County did win it uh, this afternoon prior to our broadcast here on Tiger Talk tonight. Uh, but a uh, heck of an effort by the uh, Lady Tigers. They now sit at 13-9. and I think McDonald County now 16-3 and on the year with that win here today in Nevada. But uh, quite a busy back half of the week. And as I've already mentioned a couple of times, homecoming on Friday at Nevada. 
and uh, all the homecoming activities are scheduled to begin for the coronation at 6.30 at Logan Field. I'll do my best to carry that on Nevada Mo TV. I can't guarantee it because that's about the time we're usually running the pregame interview, but uh, we'll do our best. We'll at least get the winner announced uh, on radio as well as on Nevada Mo TV. Don't forget the broadcast on Friday. We'll be uh, getting things underway at 6.20, kickoff at 7 with Nevada at home against Seneca, and uh, that broadcast is 6.20 on AM 1240 KODM as well as 99.9 FM and KODM, KNMO.com. Hope you can join us for that. Better yet, just be there in person. But if you can't, we'll have the broadcast for you and catch all the action, whether it be on audio or on the video coverage. Catch the video this week because no video next week. Uh, not, at, not at East Newton. Uh, you can barely get enough cell signal there to make a phone call. So uh, no video at uh, no Nevada Mo TV at East Newton next week. So I'm putting that out now so you uh, maybe mark it down and know it will be audio coverage only from Granby. But we'll talk more about that next, next week. My thanks to Nevada Tiger F football coach Wes Beecher for joining us again as always for our Tiger Talk program. We'll be back here next Wednesday night. Uh, we'll be on time next Wednesday. No softball, I don't think, next Wednesday. So we should be on time at 6.05 on AM 1240 KNEM and 99.9 FM as well as KNEM, Until then, I'm Mike Harbett. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Tiger Talk on Double K Country. Tiger Talk is brought to you each week by Buzz's Barbecue, Nevada Auto Mall, Emory's Truck Stop, Ferry Funeral Home, 54 Feet and Seed, Sutherland's Home Base, First National Bank, Eldorado Cycle and Outdoor Equipment, 54 Veterinary Clinic, Compass Health Network, Sharky's Pub and Grub, Nevada Family Dentistry, Thorpe's Appliances, The Plumbing Shop, MyNevadaMode.com, and Smith Insurance Agency. Join us next Wednesday night at 6.05 for Tiger Talk on your source for sports in southwest Missouri and southeast Kansas. AM 1240 KNEM and 97.5 FM KNMO in Nevada. Double K Country.